0: All right, is right. Hi, Dave. This is Mind Rolling. David Silver is with me. Raghu Marcus. This Hi, is- Hi, Dave. And this is the first Mind Rolling podcast uh, for 2020. It's also, of course, um, something special in, in that I wanted to do this with David because we started this whole thing together. And, um, of course, as you all know, Ramdas left us on December 22nd, um, after appearing at the uh, the Maui Open Your Heart in Paradise retreat in December with Krishna Das and uh, Jack Cornfield and Trudy Goodman and Mirabai Bush, and, um, and myself and others, Duncan Trussell included. Uh, Robert Svoboda was the guest star of the thing, actually. He was fantastic. I don't know if you saw any of him, Dave, but well yeah. worth it. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, but it was where Ramdas just literally to his last breath, he came to this thing. His his body was just so skeletal, and his energy completely depleted. But somehow he summons something from deep within himself—a will that I i can only imagine that will is really just aligned with maharaji's uh being and that's the the source of him being able to stay alive uh for what 22 3 years after getting that massive stroke and being able to do what he's done for the last 15 years in maui so i thought i'd get together with david and we remembered the two of us remembered that when soon after ramdas got to Maui, and decided he was going to stay there. He, uh, David and I were together there in the fall of 2015. And uh, we had an idea to do a book. Say that again? I'm sorry, 2005. Yeah, 2005. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and we had an idea to do a book. And the book was going to be around being honest with oneself, which is so emblematic of, of Ramdas all through these years. Uh in terms of navigating the spiritual path. It cuts through so much BS that we tend to allow our minds to believe. Uh so radical honesty. And that was so we had a whole chat with him over a couple of days, right? Two, three days, Dave?
1: I think two or three days, yeah, because it's it's um, on my copy that's, you know, that it's dated. Yeah. The book was going to be called The Habit of Honesty, and um, it, it rambled around, but we did you know get into that heavily. Um, and it was extremely gratifying to me actually because, um, at that time in 2005, 20 years, 30 years previous to that, um, you know even more than that, the first sort of section of, of Ram Das's teachings that um, deeply changed me um, and I, many other people was his um, his way of bringing you to incredible self-awareness, the best you could come to. And my conclusion, having read this, ragu in the last couple of days again, is that I don't know if I'd ever would have been able to see things somewhat more clearly if it weren't for him. I just don't think so, because of the um, the sort of clear, uh, compassionate articulation of his wisdom at that time, uh, and since 1969, around then. So our concentration was on that uh, and the loving awareness and loving kindness transmissions were there, right? They were there, but this was more, our conversation with him was more about coming to honesty about your own uh, predispositions. Mm. And I simply cannot think of another who did that as effectively and as compassionately as Ram does. It's just, I, I can't. I don't even want to. He, he's
0: enough. So one of the things that we did was we actually, uh, I think you, David, picked out some excerpts from a particular uh, a retreat that he did in 1989, Listening Heart. It's a fabulous series. And, uh, and then, you know, he commented, we commented on it. Uh, and reacted to it. So let, let me just read this excerpt because uh, it, it's the core of what we were aiming for in that moment. And Ram Dass says, and again this is 89 pre-stroke, I learned an interesting thing, I learned that the more honest I was in a public space, the more other people felt freed by it. And I get more letters from people saying thank you for your honesty because and because it helped me so much to deal with mine, I don't feel at all. I mean, why would I want to keep it private? I have no shame about my life. Let's see what I am. What I am? I. I am God. Let's start with that. I am God in form. I have the blessing which has a pathology in it, as far as I'm concerned. Whenever I talk to people about Ramdas, and we talk about his legacy nowadays, obviously, and how that's going to manifest going forward forward into the future. Inevitably, being honest with oneself is central to what he transmitted. And uh, just after he left, I remember writing uh, a note that I put out publicly, and just about what he, he gave, I, I said, I don't know where I'd be, just like you just said in another way earlier in this conversation, Uh, I don't know where I would be had I not met Ramdas in this life. I really, I mean, I can't imagine it, right? Um, And what did he give us? You know, the sense of, of course, the love, of course, the sense of family, satsang, the wisdom, the perspective, all of that. But because of that honesty, I mean, my first, take on listening to him was, okay, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay if I screw up. It's okay, these crazy ass thoughts that are going through my head and emotions and desires and all of it. I don't have to beat myself to death on a day-to-day basis. That was such a powerful thing that he transmitted because of his own self-honesty, and which he worked on throughout his life. I mean, by the, in the last number of years, I think that's he. He still was, of course. If you see the movie *Becoming Nobody*, and he talks about how he still screws up and all of that. So he was still quite aware and um, always looking deep inside to his motivational stuff. That was is a tremendous uh, transmission and part of the legacy.
1: Yeah, well put. Uh, you know, there are many now who, in this time we live in, that write about similar things, and, you know, from Eckhart Tolle to many others. And that's great. But what I remember exactly like, like you, Raghu, is that in those years, you know, they were crazy times, you know, they were crazy times, you know, <laughs> given the atmosphere of the counterculture, which was liberating in and of itself, but had all kinds of contradictions within it. What Ramdas did was bring it back home, away from sort of even <clears throat> you might say at that point mystical thinking into a psychological entree, which he had every right to give because of his background, of course, because of, of the of the role that he eventually discarded, but. He had all the the technical knowledge about the psyche, but he went a million miles away from there, different different galaxy, and gave us, it was such a gift. He gave us what you just said, the ability to dissolve guilt, but at the same time, it's brilliant because dissolve guilt, but at the same time, admit the thoughts that were flashing through your psyche that you would probably never say to anyone. And, of course, when he first encountered Maharaji's um, omniscience, he became sort of petrified for a minute, because very few Westerners, if any, had experienced that ability to see into another human being and see what they were really all about.
0: Past, present, future.
1: Yes. And um, he gave us that in a way, I remember distinctly all the lectures I went to and all the personal conversations I have you know it wasn't done in this sort of haughty manner it was none of that it was like okay you know yesterday I was I was thinking very badly about someone you know murderous thoughts and I realized I saw them and I realized I still had those murderous thoughts in me I'm not quoting them exactly but it's the kind of thing he did and he says in this in this um, conversation that Robert and I have in, that the audience loved him because they felt like they were talking to themselves. That's a the very profound thing that he said there, that you didn't think someone was lecturing on high about something you'd never attained. It was as if he was saying what you were thinking about your thinking. And and, and that was so incredibly transformative for me, mm. because you know I came from England, stiff upper lip, don't admit anything, total denial, all of that. I wasn't the worst example of that, but I was from there. And, hearing him just explode that without being um destructive or full of anger or or even it wasn't really a critique it was a way of looking at yourself which changed and helped your whole damned life and i can never thank him enough for that no i actually can't Uh, it 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 just was overwhelmingly important to me and everyone i knew who came into contact with him Mm. and um Even to this day, you know, I was uh, on my run yesterday and I thought I was sort of blankly, almost meditatively running and then suddenly a whole avalanche of angry thoughts came crashing into my psyche. And the ability to see that I was having that avalanche and not to judge myself and not to feel guilty about it, but then at the same time simultaneously to admit that I was having that, that matrix of thought forms, this stage, 50 years later, it was still around us that gave me the ability to go on running and dissolve them and make them into little schmooze <laughs> up there that I could be friendly with and have a cup of tea, as he said, with, instead of just going, oh, I'm a bastard. I am a hypocrite. I meditate, but I still don't like people. No, that could be the dynamic. But what he gave us, and what a gift this is, he gave us the ability to say, you've got him. Okay, you don't like them, but don't make yourself hate yourself for it. Just notice them and then befriend them, have a cup of tea with them, and then let them go.
0: Yeah. Um, do you have um, something you'd want to share out of, uh, from this uh, dialogue that we had with Rondas?
1: Yes, sir, I have quite a few things. Um,
0: I wonder if they're We did this on our own, everybody, so we'll see how they jive. Well. uh...
1: One of the techniques or words that he would use that has become part of our vocabulary is the word witness. And at one point during our conversation, he said, we introduce the witness, and the witness is the soul, and the soul has in it a pearl of God. Think of that expression, a pearl of God. Mm. It's an individual packaging, and we all have the same pearl. We all could look at the world with similar eyes, but the ego, the first plane of consciousness, is just too captivating. And communication from those things in us that aren't relevant on this plane are treated as static, like meditation is getting rid of the static, a talk with God. So if I talked on the third plane, which is the Atman, if you talk from that plane, everybody in the audience will get a feeling. Well, this is familiar because they have it in them too. Mm. And that's what I try to do. No, I don't try to do it. Here's the gift, Roger. Yeah, We've all got it. Did we know we had it before we met him and, and others that we can talk about via him? Uh, I'm not sure that I ever knew anything remotely like that remotely. I, I, you know, I just thought I'm thinking stuff and I'm bad, or I'm thinking stuff and I'm good, or I'm doing stuff and I'm clever. I, the idea of this pearl, what is a pearl? A pearl grows out of something in, a, in a, an oyster, right? It's not just there in the shell. It grows. And then if we're lucky, we find it and it is indeed a pearl. We can put it around the neck of a beloved one, but it's not there unless you look for it. And it does not grow unless you nurture it. These are the mechanisms and dynamics that he gave us that are just. Mm. Mm.
0: And he, talking about that, Pearl, you know, he would talk about uh, what, when he came back and how he shared Maharaji when he wasn't supposed to. And I think I tell people, because it wasn't that long ago, I said, well, Why did you do that? You know, you, he told you not to talk about him. That's all you did when you first came back in 1968. And he said, I had a jewel and I I had to share it. And then in, in our conversation, he says again, when I, I uh, you ask him, why did you do that? When he said, no, don't tell anybody about me. He said, if so, Ram Dass said, it's like I have a treasure and there are so many needful people. I can't not share it. And he said, Maharaji must have had a lot to do with that. Yeah, that's a. Understa- wild understatement. Uh-huh. At the end of the first visit, I asked him if he if I could come back and he said in two years. And I said, you can't send me back into that, into the West, into that mire. You know, and he and Ramdas said, I'm not pure enough. There's so many desires being fanned. And Maharaji said, Well, turn around. Can you, you know, keep turning around? I got to look at you. Mm-hmm. And I did. And he said, I don't see any impurities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, he did that once, like when I was there with Ram Dass, And he, he went through, Ram Dass was actually crying and saying, we're so impure. And, you know, Maharaji said, what do you mean impure? I let you peel the potatoes, right? Like, and everybody out there is going, wow, what kind of privilege is that? And the reality is, in a, uh, in a Hindu temple, uh, the only people that are allowed in the kitchen to do anything are Brahmins. Westerners are considered untouchables, really. Mm-hmm. And so um, the fact that Maharaji would have people, uh, us, go in there, you know, I'm sure some of the Indians were looking askance at that and going, whoops. But he said, yeah i let you i let you peel the potatoes you're not impure and of course that's somebody who's living in the undivided and only sees that perfection right inside you so it, it uh, so between that going on and then the other thing going on which is the reflection of that purity was so extraordinary that we couldn't help but notice the opposite that was going through our little noggins right Oh, God, it was horrible. So that's why, you know, we all would be around Ma- when Maharaji would say something like that. Oh, no, it can't be. We were really, we were convinced. We convinced ourselves that we were a mess. And uh, to a great de- deal, uh, degree, of course, we were. Um, I have something that's interesting that I found. Um, this goes back to, I don't know how this came up, uh, but it's it's pretty wonderful. So, you were asking him, you say something, but obviously after the first encounter uh, with Maharaji, he did this incredibly powerful stuff. You had a totally emotional reaction to it. What happened to, to you in the days following this, this uh, revelatory experience is what you said. Uh, I went to KKs. I was sent to KKs. It was such a daze. I don't remember hardly anything because i was just whirling and crying and crying and crying and crying crying somehow took me to oh my god i'm home that expression by the way dave that's exactly what everybody every single person who was there had the same exact experience around that home thing and uh and to me that's Extrapolating that to what's hap- been happening with Ramdas over these last fifteen years, I think is a really important thing because he created that home in in Maui, certainly with the retreats, in the retreats in Ojai, in the satsang that happens through the uh, the power of uh, technology and the different things uh, that happen that way. That home, that's the biggest thing. That that home that he transferred that Um, and of course he was doing it uh, for a long time in the decades before uh the stroke but the way he did it in maui and the way that he was much more who he was talking and pointing to after the stroke which you know talk about fierce grace right so he said oh my god i'm home this is what i've always wanted somebody will understand me from inside out Okay, that, that's part of the home, you know, a being like this, understanding from inside out. Or in Hindi, uh, it's, or in, in the uh, bhakti yoga tradition, it's called antarayami, knower of all hearts, knows past, present, future. Um, K.K. talked to me about Maharaji, and I just surrendered to everything. I didn't consciously surrender, but I was surrendered to the whole scene. I didn't even feel there was a choice. It was so fully surrendered, which had not been in my consciousness before him living like this, right? We just said that. You just said that before. None of this came into my consciousness until I met Ramdas and other beings of this nature. I remember I had to get a passport thing dealt with, and I went to Delhi. It was so weird to stand in the American embassy after being with Maharaji. It was shocking. One of the one of the temples in Kenshi, where I was with Maharaji, had a very tall orange cement hanuman. And I would sit in front of that meditating. I would say, what am I doing here? Look at my colleagues from Harvard. Look at that. He's worshipping he's worshiping a cement monkey. Now and then, Western thoughts would come about what I was doing.
1: But then, nothing. <laughs> That's so great. Yes. Yes. And that in itself is the teaching. Yeah. You asked him... In the same session what about people well actually i asked him after the mushrooms and everything when did the habit of honesty start with you and he said i think it started with him, his consciousness and then you asked him raghu what about people who haven't even had the luxury that we we say of knowing about that presence how do they bring that, that awareness how do they bring that awareness And he said to you and me, he said, I would say in their heart, in their heart, not their mind, to experience the present moment. That'll do it, stop, stop doing. This is being, be your awareness. Don't focus on this or that. And that will give you immediate access to the awareness. With Maharaj around, you can't be anything but honest. And so there you got the first kind of important building block coming from the guru, who has to speak to some extent in terms that we understand to begin with, and so did Ram in translating that, which was, honesty. you must be in front of God. Uh, You may may not consciously be thinking you're in front of God, but what is it within you that makes you honest about yourself, not just about the external world and, oh, you know, I, I I love Democrats, I hate Republicans. No, it's the honesty about what your psyche is telling you to do all the time. He's saying, Well, around his initial contact, his very initial contact with the guru were ones of cleansing because he knew he was known. And Nora of all hearts knew his heart right there, one foot from him. And that converted a flash of lightning in the dynamic of of perpetual honesty, which of course is impossible, but it will come back. It will come back. It will come back because of the power of the teacher and because of the power of the teacher's teacher or guru. And here am I, you know, back then and now. I mean, it's just a marvelous process, isn't it? You can be depressed and then you can actually, you actually have the mechanism within the brain to say, I am depressed, why am I depressed? But I am depressed, so why? And then, realize that it is just another moment just another thought form baggage and it is possible to overcome it without um zoloft you know <laughs> 70 years of therapy i'm sorry i'm rather biased against that so um i've got nothing against people going into therapy but i, I do think that
0: you're going to get letters on that one
1: well you know send them to um,
0: Send them, to- Send them to your psychiatrist, is whatever. I mean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, you can say, Oh well, I just pop pop analysis. No, it was not. Because when you're in an audience of 400 people and it's silent, listening to this man with a beard on the stage saying, being honest is, is really the, it is the engine of evolution, personal evolution. He didn't say that, I'm saying that, but that's the way I would interpret it. Hmm. It's, it's really the only engine underneath it all will stop you from entering roads that will lead you nowhere. Or even stop you from knowing that you're going down a road that will lead you nowhere. It just goes back and back and back and back until you get to that witness. Hmm. But who would have known about that witness without the impartation, if that's the word, or the imparting of that wisdom that comes from an ascended master who's only in touch with it all, not just with the environment and conditioning that you happen to have been brought up in. It's a miracle, really. It really is. It's a bigger city than anything, isn't it? Because it's converting its alchemy. It's it's the alchemy yeah. of the psyche. Yeah. And, and he did that continuously for 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 sixty years at least. <laughs> and and here we are. And um, somebody wrote recently since his passing to mm-hmm. me and said it was a letter to me, and it's. And she said, "Now there's a a more genuine, tangible bit of Ramdas in me. Now that he's gone for some reason, mm. because I know that I'm not going to, you know, be relating to his body, but his transmission is is potent within me now, and I, I maybe I value it even more now." because I'm alone with it, and um, as we all are. uh, Let me read another excerpt. Yeah, this is one I really love. He says, Ram Dass says, in all the years that I've been through psychoanalysis, I was a professor of psychology, I was a therapist, I took drugs for many years, profound experiences. I went to India, have a guru, I've studied meditation for 20 years, done a Hatha yoga, had all kinds of Sufi and Hasidic and all, the, all that stuff intensively. I have never got rid of one neurosis yet, not one. Not one neurosis has disappeared completely from the play. The only thing that has changed is that while there used to be these huge monsters that would take me over, oh my God, not that, you know, as it would come at me, now it would come at me now they are these little, like schmoo objects, these little sort of, oh, there's sort of, oh, there's sexual perversity. Come in, have tea. They are now these little friends. <laughs> Again, you know, he realized that about himself, but the reason he's a world teacher uh, is because he, he, he allowed us into that perception that, and I think this is really important because most of us, you know, have guilt. You know, we come across a guru, we come across a teacher, we do meditation, we do all these, as he says, you know, we hang out with, you know, we do it all because we're interested in the spirit and we're interested in the transcendental and, and the mystical and, and and the love that encircles all of us. And yet we still have neuroses. What he did in that little comment, which I'm sure he said 500 times in the lectures was, don't think that just because I'm telling you this, that you'll walk out tonight and go home to your girlfriend or boyfriend or wife or and say, I don't have any neuroses anymore. I went to Ramnas, He told me how to get rid of them. He's the greatest therapist on earth. I'm pure. I'm clean. I'll never have that neurotic response again to you. He says, that's not true. Hmm. Neurosis doesn't go away. Your attachment and reliance upon the easy... Sort of running through you of a neurosis will will lessen. And you'll be able to see it. It goes back to that whole thing about you'll be able to see who you are presently, what this incarnation is made of, the clay that it is made of. And you may see stuff that you don't like, but you will have the you will have the ability after these teachings to look at them and go, ah, there it goes again. I'm judging that guy because I don't like his shirt. Stupid shit. And then much more, much more profoundly disturbing stuff. Like, why am I alive? What have I done? I haven't achieved anything. My relationships suck. My apartment's a mess. He allows you to both think the thought and in a way, unthink the thought just by thinking that you're having the neurosis and being able to observe yourself without paying $250 per session. <laughs> Write your letters. Yep. Send them Eat today. You love your therapist. I have so many friends who love that therapist. <laughs> I love my ancient frayed copy of Be Here Now.
0: <laughs> so do many. So do many. Um, so in the process of looking through this document, which is the transcripts from those, uh, the interview that we did with him back in 2005, I was kind of looking for, you know, maybe he said something around death and dying and, um, it would be a poignant moment to, uh, take a look at that. And I did find something and, uh, It's uh, about a psychedelic trip that he had. So I thought, that's interesting. I mean, we didn't often talk about in detail in in some ways in a couple of different instances. But here he goes. I was in Mexico in the ocean after an all-night LSD session, and there was a very wild surf. And I realized that if I went forward into the surf since I, I couldn't tell the difference between up and down. I would probably drown. I stood there feeling all those forces upon me. And I realized I felt I got this experience of imagining going to the surf and being underwater. And that then that feeling of drowning and then shifting and then a whole new balance in relation to nature. And then I'm a, a bit of floating something on the water, and then everything changes, and then there's this, there, there are moments in other people's minds when they say, Oh, Richard? Remember him? He died in the ocean in Mexico. And then there's all these little flickers, and everything quiets down, and then there's a new balance in the universe. And it was just a little shift from that balance into this one. Uh, In one, I am somebody doing something. And in the next, I am part of the ocean stuffed like a piece of seaweed. And my consciousness has moved into some other plane. And once I had gotten out of the anxiety about it, it was just a shift, a metamorphosis of balance. I love that, right? I'm going to write a metamorphosis of balance. That's, that's so great. Uh, it's just like a tree falling and then rotting and then providing and nurture, nur- uh, nurturing for everything else in the forest and going on. And the tree isn't upset about its change of state. And I began to see there's the, that's the process of death seeing transformation of energy. And the deepest fear, of course, is the death. It's the extinction of that fragile little thing that we created in the first place, right? that fragile little thing, Mimi, Because once you get back into the mystical root being, your true self, it doesn't die because it wasn't born. It just is. So there's always a place that is not afraid, and that is what one works to find in oneself and i know after being with ramdas all these years and particularly about being with him you know in the in the last few years i mean being well since he's on maui in the last 15 years you know spending a lot of time with him but more recently i know that uh as, as he said in Becoming Nobody, when, some, when, the, uh, when Jamie said, so are you looking forward to dying? He said, I'm not looking forward to dying. I'm looking forward to what happens after you die. And uh, he, he was very much living that. It wasn't a fear place whatsoever. Mirabai Bush did a wonderful book with him called a Walking Each Other Home, which was really a dialogue about love and death and grief and um I, I would highly recommend people to pick that up because it has so much in there of what ramdas is aside from all of the things he said about this and and kind of like we did dave she did the same thing she used um different passages uh, excerpts from talks before his stroke and then he would kind of extemporize around that um it's 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 really quite great. So there's one other thing around. I just think that's a fantastic uh, thing from him around death. Um, there's a famous story. Now, it may be that many people have not heard it. And if you have, uh, it's worth hearing again. It's a story of uh, Ram Dass talks about a young teenager from the Lower East Side came to me in Franklin, New Hampshire, and said he wanted to get some pointers from me on Hatha yoga. I was teaching Hatha yoga then. Now, he was much farther along than I was in Hatha. His father was a Russian scientist that came over and they had oodles of money. They had homes in New Hampshire and Arizona. He said he was going to go to a cave that was on their Arizona property. I saw him once a month. He called, from, called me from Arizona to say he was well, and then I didn't hear from him. Well, he went into the cave, and then one day his mother shows up, and she says to me, my son achieved mahasamadhi. Which means final enlightenment, the highest samadhi. She kind of looked like a society woman, and I said, "Oh, he did." She asked, "Do you know anybody who could tell me whether he reached Mahasamadhi?" I said that I did. My guru. She ha- sent me a high school graduation picture of Tony, her son. It was, uh, his brother came to see me and says, "I got to tell you something." This is before. He went back to india the second time i might as well tell you i've got to tell somebody i visited my brother and we did lsd and he used some of his breath exercises while tripping blood came out of his nose down the whole wall and uh, so i go to india and see maharaji and i remembered i had a picture of tony in my wallet so i show the picture to maharaji and maharaji says he's dead so ramdas said nothing about this whatsoever to maharaji right and then this tony in a letter to his mother said just before he died you needn't be afraid mother i'm going to be looking after you i'll be with maharaji i'll be with jesus and buddha and uh so this is something ramdas You know, remembered as he handed this over to Maharaji. Maharaji then closed his eyes after he saw the picture and said, He's dead. And he started to repeat, His mother should not worry. His mother should not worry. He's all right. He's looking over her. He's with me. And so I said, But he died because of the medicine, the LSD. Doesn't make it, Maharaji said, It does not make any difference. He was in Maha Samadhi. Like, okay, we don't know nothing about nothing. Can you imagine something like this? I mean, it's a horrible thing. This kid was twenty odd years old. Ramdas said the kid was a serious yoga yogi. I think the basic shift is identification with the separateness, and then into the total all. When you are separate, there are forces around you hurricanes of emotions and thoughts. But when we have finished identifying with separateness, there's no fear. It's just that one little thing. And this is like a star up there amongst the Milky Way. The identification with soul frees people from the fear of death. That he, so, uh, uh, you know, that was sort of, I think, David, the beginning of the development in Ramdas of his whole thing around loving awareness, the identification from the flame. he would always talk about it. go from your ego mind into the center of your chest, spiritual heart, and breathe in and out, and repeating "I am loving awareness." So that was that moves that identity. That's probably the most uh, powerful teaching uh, that uh, that he shared with us in these last years of his life for sure. And, and I quoted to him, fearlessness is developed by an open, warm heart because other than, of course, the honesty that we've been talking about, uh, also uh, the allowing of the heart to blossom and uh, unconditional love for oneself and others blossoms, courage or fearlessness is an essential part of us being able to navigate uh, the minefields of, uh, our, of the spiritual path. And Ramdas said, see, it's the same thing, because a warm heart means by osmosis. It ties you to the environment, to the ah, to the lost in love, and it brings you to the all identification. Love brings us to the one, and that's my love for Maharaji. And that's what he shared, and that became what he what he ex- first experienced with Maharaji. He created that home around his love for Maharaji. That is is the, the uh, he. In the end, you know, I would talk to him, and he, you know, w- we would actually say, "Do you want to keep going here? You know, your body, I mean, you got so much pain and so many things wrong with it, and so on and so forth." And he basically he couldn't stand the idea of not being here for people and that that just powered him through everything you know i mean it's it's extraordinary it really is
1: oh yes it's extraordinary because how many people in your life do you encounter you could even go there to these things that we you just talked about you know I mean, yes, you can analogize. Um, I was watching, on Christmas Day, I decided to watch The Greatest Story Ever Told. <laughs> I should watch some movie about Jesus every Christmas, That's all I do. Really? And um, there's a moment when, you know, he's first with the disciples, and uh, one of them says to him, I don't remember who, maybe it was Peter, I'm not sure, said to him, A thief just stole my coat. And Jesus sort of goes, oh, good. That's good. What do you mean it's good? I'm cold. And he took my coat. And Jesus said, well, what do you want me to say? He said, well, I'm angry. He said, don't be angry. Give him your shirt. He needs it. He wants it. He's suffering. Why don't you give him your jacket, too? I love him, and don't worry, you'll be fine. Hmm. What's your big problem with this, Pete? Or uh, whoever it was, you know? And he insisted, on, and the guy got angrier in the film, of course we don't know. But there's you know, elements of I'm sure what really happened, where he taught his disciples your conventional ideas of right and wrong, of robbery, of all of these things. They may have truth on one level, Someone steals your house, you're cold, you're out in the open, you, you get angry. But uh, just go further and find that heart place and understand that the suffering around you is immense and that if you really want to help, you will help that rather than only account for your own time. And, you know, I'm not saying that Ram Dass was was Jesus, but he certainly propelled us to understand that all the Abstruse teachings in the world, from Zogchen to Hasidim to the Torah, to where cannot do it unless you're not separate. That the separateness, as you put it, that little thing, the separateness causes us to have fear, particularly death. And the more you hold on to things, you know. I remember my car was stolen from the same place twice over two years. <laughs> it was, and. Uh, I remember the the deep rage I had the second time. Yeah, on the same. What was worse? It was on the same day, July Fourth, on two years running. Somebody stole my car, and I remember the gamut of emotions when I had to borrow a car to go to the dumb, the police place to see (laughs) the. The gamut of emotions driving up to Queens to this hideous place, this sort of road running, this sort of. Mad Max type of pound with these cars in it. But then when I saw my car, I was so relieved. And I thought, what am I? Who am I? That I'm happy or sad because I have my car or I don't have my car? I remember being very and that was tied to somehow to the line that came through from Maharaj through Ramdas and others to me, saying, Stop, you know, just stop being so self-concerned, self-absorbed. Owning everything, wanting to own everything. He says in this conversation, Roger, remember, he said, you know, I'm not even happy about having this nice house. You know why? Because it's a somebody house. <laughs> You're a somebody if you've got a house like this. I don't want to be a somebody. I don't want that. And he wasn't being, you know, sophist. He was saying, no, this doesn't help having a great house. That doesn't help me get rid of my attachments to it. We uh, uh, I mean, Not attached to the house, but I don't really need the house. And uh, It pure honesty that, that yeah. everything that was milling around in that brilliant mind, brilliant ace, brilliant, brilliant incandescent mind. Still.
0: Yeah. Do you do you remember reading through this thing? Um, and it reminded me, of course, because I was there, but um the when Ramdas first got to Maui and he was sick in the hospital, it was the end of 2004 and I, I came over with a, a friend and we got him out of the hospital and got him into a house and then eventually got him that house that he was just referring to with you. Uh, but we, we were talking to him about um, uh, how everything was stripped away. First of all, he gave everything away. He gave all his royalties away. I mean, can you imagine, be here now, book royalties, he gave away? Do you have, I mean, it's six figures a year or something for yeah. a long time. Okay, so um, so there he was, and of course, this famous story where Wayne Dyer came along, and he sat with us and sat with Ramdas, and then he, I walked out of the house with him, and he said, "Well, how can I help?" And I said, "Well, you know, things are real tight for Ramdas in terms of money. He can't travel anymore and teach and you know lecture and all that." So he said well let me think about it and the next day he came back with the idea of, of putting a letter out to his millions of followers mm-hmm. and uh asking them you know look how much this man has helped us now we can help him so uh here's what Ramdas said about that Wayne's letter stripped me stripped me he said to his millions of people on his mailing list poor poor ramdas no house I had cultivated my relationship with money and power and that the idea that 3 million people are thinking of me as this homeless indigent that left me with a new take of myself. And you said, well, so even though it was embarrassing, he did you a big favor. Yeah. He did me a big favor. Yeah. No question about that. He did it out of love and I received it as a favor, but I did have the moment of, Oh my God, what's a Jewish boy doing going broke (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, and you said in effect he ruined a role for you, and and Ramdas said to you, "Yeah, he ruined a, a role. Thank God for that." Mm. Uh, that's and that um, uh, it, it reminded me also because we're we are centered here around this whole concept of of being truthful with one oneself. Uh, let me just find this. Oh, here, this is something um, that you. Uh, played a tape for him, I just played the audio it's, which was pre-stroke. Just starting to appreciate yourself, appreciate your humanity. I'm Ramdas and I've worked on myself, and I'm supposed to be equanimous, loving, present, clear, compassionate, accepting. Oftentimes I get tired, I'm angry, I'm petulant, I'm closed down. Now, for a long time, I would get into those st- states, and I would feel really embarrassed because that isn't who Ramdas is supposed to be. So I would appear like I was warm and charming, equanimous, compassion. There was deviousness and deviousness and deception involved, and then I realized that that's bad business because that cuts us off from each other, and I had to risk my truth. Okay, that goes back to me when we just talked about fearlessness. He, he risked his truth. I had to risk being human with other people and realize that we, what we offer each other is our truth. And our truth includes all of our stuff. And the first thing I had to do was accept my own truth. That is, that's a very powerful uh, words, David. Uh, and and really an advisal for all of us uh, to to become more vulnerable and and risk Mm -hmm. and have a little bit of fearlessness about it's going to be okay we are all indeed so interconnected uh, that um, we can never get away from that Uh, of course the mind doesn't um, quite allow that because we believe in the thoughts we have of separateness so uh, it becomes a difficult situation, but yeah, risk truth. I love that.
1: Yeah, yeah and and that connects directly with the present moment. That do you want to ruin the present moment is all you've got. And if you're going to lie about yourself or lie about anything, I know you're doing it. Uh, you are, in fact, ruining that moment. Certainly for the person next to you or the assembled 500 people that you're talking to, he was very conscious of um, the audience. Mm. Um, It it wasn't that he went up there and then just was himself and if you got bits of it, that was fine. He'd looked at that silent room, which was always silent when he was talking. You know, it wasn't like people were milling around or chatting to each other or whatever. I remember those rooms. I remember them very well. And, and how content everyone was drinking in every word he said, not in a, as if he were on a throne, on the contrary, as if he were sitting next to you. And that is true genius of, a, of the deepest kind. It's not artistic genius or psychological genius or political, it's, it's getting right to the heart of the matter. I mean, previous to him, I'd, I'd studied Wilhelm Reich. In fact, the, the postgraduate deg- degree I did at University of England was about Wilhelm Reich and its effect upon the novels of Saul Bellow. That was my intellectual place at that time. But Reich taught me, if anything, from his books about the armor. It was the word he used constantly the armor. It's mm. around our hearts. And that was great. And I learned a lot at the age of, of 20 about that and so on. But Ramdas took that much further because he individuated it to you, that person in that audience, in that room at that time, that he w- you were lucky enough to be in his presence without idolatry. Because he, he scorned idolatry, he scorned it. He didn't want that. He knew people kind of idolized him and thought he was like, shit, you know, and he was. But he didn't make that the gestalt of his transmission, which is extremely important to me personally. You know, that I don't love it when somebody, be it a rock star or a teacher or a friend, or, you know, is suddenly on a throne educating you. What good the hell is that gonna do? Yeah, you can learn facts and you can learn stuff, but it's when that person is empathizing with you so strongly that he or she can look at you and, and know that you need maybe this little nugget of something he's learned about himself from his guru. And it's not to be slighted, you know, it's not like learning from your high school teacher. Well, I'm not putting high school teachers down in any way, it's older. But you know that the wisdom he imparted to you in this casual, humorous, totally Western way on a stage, sitting there in his jeans, stroking his beard, you knew that that was coming from a knower of all hearts. Mm. Ergo, Incredibly valuable forever. It cannot be overestimated. It simply can. Mm. What a yeah. gift. Oh, I mean, this is all very. I find it impossible to be cynical about Rhonda because of the amount, the actual quantum of wisdom that I was lucky enough to.
0: And honest mm-hmm. self reflection. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody got that. And so there was no way in which. Ramdas was ever perceived as higher than, you know, higher than thou. Right. It just never happened, and he, he, he kept that at the core of everything. Absolutely, kept it at the core of everything. I just there's one last thing. It was the absolute end, David, of uh, of this conversation with him, and I think it really relates to where he he was at in the in the days i mean he the days preceding the days and weeks preceding his leaving and um i think it's really important so uh, i i was talking to him about his feelings about maharaji and i saying to him you know to me uh, i always related with him as like nobody's home there isn't a somebody, a relatable, a relational somebody that's home. Okay. And um, Ramdas said, well, Maharaji's a companion. I kid about him. I say he's my imaginary friend. When my when I say my life is my subject matter it's plaster to him. <laughs> How do you like that one? Ten years ago, I had my, my head. If I could only live in Maui, and here I am, and people are giving me money. This is a nice house, close friends all around me. I have no real relatives, so nobody has to take care of me except Maharaji. And the people he has sent, he's put me in a very nice position for these last 75 years, four years. My experiences, my life, are the content of our discussion. In other words, him in my life is the deepest wisdom, the deepest compassion, and love, and emptiness. Emptiness inside. It's interesting, the outer shell, the body and personality, that was the vehicle for me to draw into this silent emptiness that he represents. His body. I see a body and a personality, and because I'm a people person, I related to him. At a certain stage, you get off on the pictures, and then, meh, they don't do it so much. The picture isn't the essence, and the essence is in me and him, and I see him and all this superstructure, and in the middle of his belly, I see emptiness. The last time I saw Maharaji, he was on his porch, on his tucket, I was down by the Shiva temple, going out to the bridge, and he was sitting just like Shiva, looking up, and I saw that emptiness. It's the essence of Shiva. I can't tell you, for me, how well that that he expressed something that I, I think all of us who met that being would would recognize, that... Shiva-like embodiment.
1: Uh,
0: it it's it's in, it just encompasses everything. It encompasses what Ramdas used to talk about uh, when he would tell the story of him wanting to go um, with his Volkswagen bus in India, where the war was. There was a war going on with Pakistan. He wanted to go to Bangladesh and help people. And Maharaji you know, discouraged him from doing that and, and said ramdas can you not see it's all perfect and then we'd have these dialogues uh, in maui on stage and go and ramdas would go of course i can't say that because i don't know that he said that Mm. you know and there's a huge ass difference but we would see that because he we would see the shiva and we would see the nature of emptiness in action it was full of love it was full of unconditional love, and uh, to to uh, understand that Ramdas went out in in you know just those few weeks ago, and he went out into that emptiness that he so well recognized uh, that is full of love that Bob Thurman calls the womb of bliss, right. And uh, I have no doubt whatsoever that uh, Ramdas fully embraced and the way that he surrendered when he first met Maharaji. We, we read that little excerpt. He said it was a surrender. And he has said this before it was a surrender without surrender. And that's how he went into this. Of course, this is all also kind of, we can all intellectualize our loss that way. Uh, but ramdas you know because grief the grief the human loss is you know very real but ramdas another teaching was as humans we can live on more than one plane of consciousness at the same time so yes we have this grief yes we are human and we allow it to be at the same time knowing ramdas was fully ready to go into the mystery. I'm only hoping, Dave, that he'll somehow get back a report <laughs> about what really happens beyond it, beyond the, uh, the initial bardo. Because the initial bardo, to me, like when you actually leave, I know, and, it, and this is in our case, Neem Karolibama, that blanket is right there, and we just go into those folds. Uh, Of course, Buddha, Christ, Mohammed, whoever it may be, to anyone, uh, Karmapa, Dalai Lama, whoever it may be, they they gather you up into their folds. And then the fear evaporates in terms of moving through the different stages of consciousness that one goes through that is well described in the Tibetan Book of the Dead. So, I do know that uh, he was completely ready, Ramdas. us. Anything else to add on your side, Dave?
1: You know, ironically, Timothy Leary said to me in uh, 1906, whenever it was, he said, I don't know why people are so upset about death, I'm about to die. He had about a month left at that point. He said, I'm about to die. He said, I'm excited. What could be more interesting than being an explorer? Hmm. And I'm Dying, literally dying to explore this. And when he said it to me, I have it on film. The hmm. look in his eye was as in line as anything Tim ever was. It's ironic that I'm mentioning him around around us, these two gentlemen who actually transmitted very different things. At the end, they were embracing mortality in a way that helps us all.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. As Krishnadas closes his concerts uh, in... I think you 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 might remember how he talks about without these beings who walked before us you know where would we be it's through these beings who walked before us that we can walk on the path and uh, we're pretty fortunate everybody and even even all uh, those of us out there that are listening now that never met ramdas not much uh, really that which he represents which i know comes from that source called neem karoli baba which is just the source of the one right? um is available to anybody and but uh, certainly and just to let everybody know before we get off we are and we're going to be putting a note out shortly about what our plans are going forward to continue Ramdas's legacy, Neem Karoli Baba's legacy, and the legacy of all the teachers that we work with. Um, uh, And the expression of uh, most important to everybody is satsang, is community, is sangha and gathering together. And we have a lot of uh, great uh, ideas for different initiatives going forward, which we are, as I say, uh, will be announcing in the next week or so. So uh, thanks, Dave, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Of course, this is, uh, I never, I mean, I knew Ramdas was getting to the point where it would have been difficult to go on much further. And, and in that way, because of the pain and so on, it was, oh, you know, that freedom from that is, uh, is a, a wonderful thing. And the loss, of course, is uh, a terrible thing. Um, but uh, I didn't think I'd be doing this podcast with you in the first week of January 2020. But here we are. And thank you, David.
1: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm very moved by being even us.
0: All right, everybody. Uh, we're on the Be Here Now Network. Go to beherenownetwork.com uh, and you, slash mindrolling, and you can see the show notes and click into, if you want to watch the video, which we have up on YouTube, you can do that. And uh, just uh, gee, sign up at the Be Here Now Network uh, email to see what other podcasts and other events that we have coming up through that network. And also ramdas.org, because we have a lot going on. And I do want to mention that on January 22nd, we're going to have a moment of being here now in tribute to Ram Dass, uh featuring, featuring uh, Mir- Mirabai Bush and Krishna Das and, uh, and just uh, some silent loving awareness meditation. So that's something, uh, just go to uh, put your email in at ramdas.org particularly to get notice of that and, uh, and notice of other things that, uh, that we are doing. So thank you. We shall see you next week on Mind Rolling.